man in the mirror is telling me to go home But it's been a long time since I felt this good on my own uh, Now the years went by with my hands up in your ropes Forever and ever, no more Thank you Miley Cyrus and Stevie Nicks for that beautiful song. Ah, it is a wild spirit indeed, but peaceful, calm, peaceful, beautiful. The baptism by fire, fire in my lungs. The lyrics to that song are, are uh, 
are great. They're great. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Mother. <laughs> this is the Rosary Gregorian chant. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made, for us men and for our salvation, came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin, Ma of the Virgin Mary, and became man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. So in case you're wondering why this prayer says men, for us men, because God in the beginning says uh, that he created man in his image. Male and female he created he them. He created man. So Eve means the mother of all the living. The mother of all the living. And Adam means man. Means a uh, red man, actually. And as I learned the other day, Adama means, Adama means that all who, who have blood, actually. So Adam is talking about Adam describes is an is the name for male and female men. The word manas is a Sanskrit word where we get the word man from and it means mind. So the mind, the life is in the blood and the and the mind is actually in the blood. The Chinese call the heart the heart mind where it is the the seat or the house of the spirit or the shen. So uh, 
that is uh, the correct way that we're to understand what the Bible says, what Scripture says. A lot of people, we, it's easy, very easy to twist the words of the Bible to make it into some other kind of meaning. And that's the, the beautiful thing about that tree, that, the, that Scripture, the scriptural biblical tree, is that we could... We can make it into anything we want. We can make the meanings into anything we want. Um, but it is a beautiful, beautiful understanding that an intelligence that comes from learning the words, the original words that were used and the many different words and the many different languages that were used, actually, to be able... Uh, to understand the word in so many variations and come to deep understanding of of the things of God and the things that God wants us to know. So anyway, I'm going to read, continue in The Secret of Shambhala in Search of the Eleventh Insight, James Redfield, written by James Redfield, Chapter 6. Okay, the passage. After traveling north for 40 minutes, Yin turned onto a well-worn truck road and headed toward a high mountain chain 20 or 30 miles away. The snow continued to get heavier, faintly at first, and then steadily growing louder. A low a low drone rose above the engine noise and, and wind. Yin and I looked at each other as the sounds finally became recognizable. Helicopters, Yin yelled, pulling the jeep off the track and through an opening in the rocks. The jeep bounced wild, wildly. I knew it. They have some way of flying in this weather. What do you mean you knew it? As the sounds rose above us, I thought I heard two craft. One was hovering directly over us. This was my fault, Yin screamed over the noise. You must get out, now! What? I yelled. Are you crazy? Where will I go? He yelled into my ear. Don't forget to stay alert. Do you hear me? Keep going northwest to Dormar. You must get to the... Kunlun Mountains! With one deft move, he opened my door and shoved me out. I landed on my feet, then tumbled several times into a snowbank. I sat up and struggled to catch sight of the jeep, but it was already driving away and the blowing snow obscured my view. A wave of sheer panic filled me. At that moment, a movement to the right caught my attention. Through the snow, I could see the figure of a tall man, about ten feet away, dressed in black yak leather pants and sheepskin vest and hat. He was standing still, staring intensely at me but his face was partially covered by a wool scarf. 
I recognized those eyes. From where? After a few more seconds, he looked up toward the helicopter, which was making another pass and dashed away. Without warning, three or four terrific explosions erupted in the direction the jeep had gone, blowing rocks and snow all over me and filling the air with a choking smoke. I got up and staggered away as several more small explosions echoed around me. The blowing air was now completely filled with some kind of noxious gas. My head began to spin. I heard the music before I, wa before I was completely conscious. It was a classic Chinese composer I had heard before. I jerked away and realized I was in an elaborate Chinese-style bedroom. I sat up in the ornate bed and pushed back the silk sheets. I was clothed only in a hospital gown and I had been bathed. The room was at least 20 by 20 feet and each paneled wall had a different mural. A Chinese woman was peeking at me through the crack in the door. The door opened and in an in walked an erect Chinese military officer in full uniform. A chill went through me. It was the same official I had now seen several times. My heart pounded. I tried to extend my energy, but the sight of the officer completely deflated me. Good morning, the man said. How do you feel? Considering I was gassed, I replied, pretty good. He smiled. It has no lasting effect, I assure you. Where am I? You are in Ali. The doctors have seen you, and you are fine. But I must ask you some questions. Why were you traveling with Yin Dolo? And where were you going? We wanted to visit some of the old monasteries. Why? I decided not to tell him any more. Because I'm a tourist. I have a visa. Why was I attacked? Does the American Embassy know I'm being held? He smiled and looked ominously into my eyes. I am Colonel Chang. No one knows you are here. And if you have broken our laws, no one can help you. Mr. Dolo is a criminal. I a member of an illegal religious organization which is perpetrating a fraud in, in Tibet. My worst fears seem to be happening. I don't know anything about that, I said. I would like to call someone. Why are you? Why are Yin Dolo and the others looking for this Shambhala? I don't know what you're talking about. He took a step closer to me. Who is Wilson James? He's a friend of mine, I said. Is he in Tibet? I think so, but I haven't seen him. Chang looked at me with a hint of disgust and without saying anything else, turned and walked out. This is bad, I thought, very bad. I was about to get out of bed when the nurse returned with half a dozen soldiers, one of them pushing what looked like a huge iron lung, only it was bigger and standing on tall, wide legs, apparently so that it could be rolled up 
over someone who was lying in a bed. Before I could say anything, the soldiers were holding me and rolling the machine over my body. Bef the nurse turned it on, producing a mild humming noise and a bright light directly over my face. Even with my eyes closed, I could see the light move from right to left across my head, like the scanner of a copy machine. As soon as the machine stopped, the soldiers rolled the device away and left the room. The nurse lingered a moment longer, looking me over. What was that? I stammered. Just an encephalo encephalograph, she said in careful English as she reached into a cabinet and pulled out my clothes. They had been cleaned and folded neatly. What was it for? I pressed. To check everything, to make sure you are all right. At that moment, the door opened again, and Colonel Chang returned. He picked up a chair by the wall and set it near my bed. Perhaps I should tell you what we are faced with here, he said, as he sat down in the chair. He looked tired. There are many religious sects in Tibet, and many of their adherents seek to give the impression around the world that they are a religious people being oppressed by the Chinese. And I admit that our early policies in the 1950s and during the Cultural Revolution were harsh. But these policies have been changed in recent years. We are trying to be as tolerant as we can, given that the official policy of the Chinese government is atheism. These sects must remember that Tibet has changed as well. Many Chinese live here now and have always lived here, and many of them are not Buddhists. We must all live together. There is no way that Tibet can ever return to Lamaist rule. Do you understand what I am saying? The world has changed. Even if we wanted to give Tibet its freedom, it would be not be fair to the Chinese. He waited for me to say something, and I thought about confronting him with the government policy of importing Chinese nationals into Tibet in order to dilute the Tibetan culture. Instead, I said, I think they just want to be free to pursue their religion without interference. We have allowed some of that, but they are always changing what they are doing. Once we think we know who is in charge, the situation changes. I think we are arriving at a good relationship with parts of the official Buddhist hierarchy. But then there are the Tibetan expatriates in India, and this other group that Mr. Dolo is a part of, the one that follows some cryptic verbal knowledge and is stirring up all this talk about Shambhala, but is distracting, it is distracting to the people. There is much important work to be done in Tibet. The people are very poor. The quality of life must be raised. He looked at me and grinned. Why is this legend of Shambhala being taken so seriously? It seems almost juvenile, the idea of children. The Tibetans believe that there is another more spiritual reality beyond the physical worlds we can see, and that, and that Shambhala 
while here on this earth lies in this spiritual realm. I couldn't believe I was risking a debate with him. I couldn't believe I was risking a debate with him. <laughs> but how could they think this place exists? He continued. We have surveyed each every inch of Tibet from the air and from satellites, and we have seen nothing. I was silent. Do you know where this place is supposed to be? He pressed. Is that why you are here? I would love to know where it is, I said, or even what it is, but I'm afraid I don't. I also don't want to be in trouble with the Chinese authorities. He was listening intently, so I continued. In fact, all this scares the hell out of me, and I would really rather leave. Oh no, all we want is for you to share what you know, he said. If such a place exists, if it is a hidden culture, we want to know this information. Share your knowledge with us and let us help you. Perhaps there is a compromise that could be made. I looked at him for a moment and said, I would like to contact the American Embassy, if that's okay. He tried to hide his impatience, but I could see it clearly in his eyes. He stared at me for a moment longer, then walked to the door and turned around. That's not necessary, he said. You are free to go. Okay, I'll pick up on the rest of chapter 6 next time. And I'm going to read from Scripture, from the New Testament, the book of Mark. The book of Mark, chapter 16, the resurrection. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? Looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was extremely large. Entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. And he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. They went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, 
from whom he had cast out seven demons. She set, she went, she went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping, while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. After that, he appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking along on their way to the country. They went away and reported it to the others, but they did not believe them either. Thanks be to God. So we see that the, the women who were going to anoint the body of Jesus were trembling and astonished and amazed and afraid because he had risen. And the correspondence in the story we just read, The Secret of Shambhala, could be like the guy who was who woke up in a strange bed and um, he was taken by the Chinese and the Chinese officer came in and he couldn't raise his energy to be able to um, to match the fear that he had at the, uh, the officer's presence. The officer's presence um uh, it says, let's see. The officer's presence deflated him. He deflated. It deflated him, and so fear took took over. Um, <laughs> yeah, so the young man or the man, the main character, traveling with Yin, Yin pushes him out, and he's now on his own. And then he gets the worst, his worst fears, he said his worst fears came true. His worst fears came true. And so the Chinese now are trying to convince him to work with them and to uh, give, him, give them information to make him, to make him into an informant for them and uh, of course you know that Judas betrayed Jesus and that's how he was uh, able to be caught but uh, Jesus surrendered himself willingly because he was meant to die uh, you know, and, and he was meant to resurrect from the grave to, to show everyone 
that he has power over life and death. And he rose from the dead. And he told them, he told them. The, the man clothed in white says he has risen. He is not here. Behold, here is the place where they laid him. Go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So even the close disciples, Mary Magdalene, even the close disciples, after they heard, as we heard yesterday, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Even, even his close disciples were astonished and afraid that the fact that he really, he really, he really rose from the, the grave. And, and the fact that they were like asking each other, how are we going to move the stone? And then they found the stone moved, the giant, a big, giant, heavy, very heavy, heavy stone that surely one man could not move, but he did. He moved it. And uh, and they were amazed. And then the, the man in the white robe says, do not be amazed. Uh, and it says, trembling and astonishment had gripped them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So... Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. So, Jesus appeared to his disciples, but his disciples did not recognize him. He, he had a different form. He looked different. Completely different. And... And even the other disciples did not believe the women who saw him. And and the other disciples did not believe the two disciples who saw him. So, his death was so real. And they really beat him so badly that it made all his disciples... Uh, his all his disciples and all the people he loved and fr his friends were completely broken, completely. They just they were just like what, why, what what is this like? They, like no one could like they no one no one no one. It, it was probably they thought no one could could come back from that. No one, no one could. No one, no one could, uh, they knew that the Lord had predicted his resurrection, but they probably really didn't believe. They were like, there was, it was so bad that they didn't believe the other disciples, but they had spent the last three and a half years uh, living together and traveling together and, and they became very close friends more like family but but uh, 
they still couldn't believe them. So, uh, also, in the book of the secret of Shambhala, the, the, the main character doesn't know what to tell the colonel, the Chinese colonel, about Shambhala. Because he doesn't know anything about the Shambhala. Uh, and he has to lie to try to protect the reason why he's there, because he doesn't know why the Chinese colonel is interested. And the Chinese colonel also remarks and says, it seems like a children's story. It seems like just like a children's fantasy. Like, a, how can that place exist? You know, they say that it's in, in our world, but it's some kind of spiritual place. And so whatever reasons the colonel wants to know um, are probably not the same reasons that uh, the American wants to know, the, the main character. But uh, but uh, one of them believes in some of the teachings that Yin had shared. The American, the the character, the main character, believes in the teachings that Yin shared, and he uh, he practices those teachings, the prayer, the the how to how to enhance and extend the prayer field. And the other one is part of the Chinese government, and he's part of, he's atheistic, and he doesn't believe in any uh, religion, believe in any of those practices, and thinks that those uh, ideas are very childish and immature. And so it's very difficult also to understand what the resurrection actually was. And it seems that many people have difficulty believing in the resurrection as a literal truth, as a literal event, and Jesus as a, a literal person, a person, that, a person, a real man, a real person who conquered death and resurrected. And the fact also uh, that some of the disciples didn't even believe it, you know. So it's understandable that we can lack in faith, we can lack belief. Um, and the fact that Jesus appeared differently in another form and... Uh, his disciples didn't recognize him. It's also hard. If if the disciples saw it firsthand or witnessed it and reported it directly to other disciples who had been with him and they didn't believe, it's very it's understandable that we today may not have the faith and may not be able to believe in words that are written on a page, you know? But even still, it's worth meditating about, even just like the uh, concepts of prayer that we're learning about in the secret of Shambhala. <laughs> we know now 
at least one thing is true. Uh, I think most of us can agree that when we're in a down state and a depressed and angry state and, you know, when we're mourning, we're, it says here also in the scripture says, uh, she went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. I think the most of us can agree that when we lose someone that is dear to us and we love someone, we we cry and we're we're we are down and get into a depression, into a mourning for someone that we lost. So most of the time, I think we could mostly most people can agree that we we enjoy uh, feeling full of joy and full of uh, ecstasy and blissful and happiness and being full of joy and being uh, lifted up and having high spirits. Sometimes. Uh, a state of depression or a state of gravity is necessary. But it can make us sick when we uh, are in that state again and again for a long time. And so even if, like the main character in The Secret of Shambhala, we're not able to lift ourselves up. We're not able to to really overcome our fears in the state of fear that those things pass those things come and go like waves from the ocean crashing upon the the seashore we uh, we don't have to control necessarily our feelings um, but Later, the disciples come to um, see that Jesus was resurrected. Uh, so the truth matters way more than our feelings do, what we feel. Feelings come and go. We can be very high as a kite or low as a grave, as a graveyard, but, or anything in between. We can be experiencing anything in between. But our moods do not do not dictate, do not do not create our reality. They have an influence over the way that we experience reality, but they don't make our reality. Only the truth is the creator of reality. And Jesus is that truth. Jesus Christ is that truth. God is that truth. Well, he is that truth that is all of our reality, whether we know it or not. Whether we're like the officer in the secret of Shambhala, just atheistic and looking to get rid of one more culture or thinking that it's just one more culture to get rid of, or seeking heaven and the truth, seeking the truth to be able to uh, 
put an end to it, to try to control reality, or whether we are people like the main character and people like the women who went to go anoint the body of Christ, that we go, we go into the unknown and we go into the mysterious not knowing what to expect, not knowing how we're going to move mountains, how we're going to move the stone out of the grave, the heavy stone, how we're going to move the obstacles out of our way, and whether or not we can even find what we're looking for. With all our understanding and knowledge and, and strength, trying to love God, trying to do the right thing, trying to do, trying to seek the truth, seek out the truth, trying to find the truth, and even <laughs> finding it in places and in ways and in forms that we are not familiar with. Jesus, I would, I would like to say that Jesus symbolizes, just like Shambhala symbolizes in this book, in this other book, that we have to be uh, alert, like Yin said, we have to be alert. And so that is the man who is dressed in white represents that alertness, saying, yes, remember what he told you. Remember what he said. He has gone ahead of you. And you have to go and search for him. You have to seek him. And some of them found him in different forms. So it is in the story of Shambhala. The main character is on his own now. And he has to find. He has to find what he's looking for. And pay attention and be alert. To being able to see it. To see the road. To see the path to see what we must do, even when it is not obvious and when it is not always the same exact way that it appears, that it has appeared in the past. Jesus now is a resurrected spirit and he is in a different form. He can take on any form. He is the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of God. So, a different kind of believing is required now. Just like the character in the Secret of Shambhala, a different kind of believing is going to be required for the main character because he is on his own. And a different, he's going to see a different kind of trust, a different kind of faith that manifests as, as his worst fears seemingly, his, his worst fears are seemingly coming true. So I'll leave you with some of this beautiful music. And thank you for listening. God bless you. And have a good night.
Si tu te vas de 